Hey guys, welcome back to Paranormal Community College. I'm your host, Riley, and today we're talking about the hide-and-seek champion of the world, the musky monster of the mountains, the badass beast of the bush, and the gentle giant of cryptozoology, that famous wild man of yore, the one, the only, Bigfoot. And first and foremost, I'd like to dedicate this episode to Jean Krauss, a dear family friend of mine and an avid Sasquatch enthusiast whose passion for Bigfoot entertained me and my cousins so much when we were kids and made us want to believe. I have since lost touch with him, but based on a Google search, I think he is still alive and kicking and hopefully still searching for the Squatch. Jean even personally made wooden sandals for Sasquatch, and that's for real. So before I really began researching for this episode, I honestly thought it was going to be a pretty short and simple episode. And before I really got into some of this research, I was pretty convinced that Sasquatch was unfortunately just an urban legend. Don't get me wrong, I wanted to believe, I've always wanted to believe, but if he exists, then how is he so elusive? Well, I gotta tell you, I, I may be somewhat convinced now. And also before... I started researching this. I told myself, I am not going to believe in Bigfoot after this. I promised myself I have to draw the line somewhere. But I don't know, man. There's a reason why this is going to be one of my long, longer episodes. But at the same time, wouldn't someone at least capture clear, undeniable video or photographic proof by now? Something that couldn't be debunked or wasn't so blurry or from so far away. What about with a drone? Why has no one ever captured the Squatch with a drone by now? It's just hard for anyone or anything to stay hidden in our modern world for so long. So how or why does the Bigfoot archetype cling so tightly to our imagination? So the angle of this episode is going to be kind of like a historical or anthropological look at Bigfoot sightings and stories around the world and throughout human history. Since the Sumerians, this universal wild man of the forest archetype has existed. In the Epic of Gilgamesh, there is a character named Enkidu, and he was the best friend of the hero Gilgamesh. Enkidu was a savage, a hairy wild man raised by animals. However, he was extremely strong, powerful, and full of wisdom about the forest. Wisdom which he shared with the more eloquent, dignified Gilgamesh. He spent most of his time in the wilderness and had advanced knowledge of the natural world. He was sort of like a guardian of the wilderness. Enkidu was described as hairy, sometimes seemingly more animal than human, until a prostitute taught him the ways of the civilized world. It is when his friend Enkidu dies that Gilgamesh goes on the age-old quest for immortality, heartbroken that his best friend has passed away. What I like too about the Gilgamesh story is that the wild man Enkidu is ultimately friendly. Throughout time, we tend to view him as a gentle giant perhaps, while some other cultures approach this creature with fear. A warning to children not to go into the forest, a warning to hunters or builders not to disturb this defensive guardian of the woods. In medieval Europe, People celebrated this wild man, even honoring this mysterious being with elaborate festivals. These wild men were said to be humans who had long ago returned to the forest, becoming more animal than human in the process. In the Basque Country, now an autonomous community on the border of northeastern Spain and southwestern France, we have the Basajon. 
The Basajon is the lord of the woods and characterized by his huge size and hairy body. This lord of the woods dwells in caves deep within the forest of the Pyrenees Mountains. In Basque mythology, the Basajon is a benevolent creature who protects the shepherd's flock by scaring off the wolves. Interestingly, the Basajon is credited as being a teacher of milling, forging, and even agriculture, and is even sometimes called the first farmer. So what's interesting with the Basajon is that this area of what is now France and Spain slash the Basque country has an interesting Neanderthal connection. Basque people today tend to have a larger amount of Neanderthal DNA, and this area was one of the last Neanderthal strongholds. And keep in mind, Homo sapiens and Neanderthals cohabited for nearly 10,000 years, so that's a long time. Anthropologists now believe Neanderthals most likely taught our ancestors things such as tool making, building shelters, and maybe even basic crop cultivation. They weren't so much the cartoonish cavemen we were brought up thinking they were. Now, Neanderthals weren't very tall, as the Basajon legend suggests, and they did go extinct 40,000 years ago, but I think it's super compelling that this may be where the legend comes from, and maybe even where legends around the world come from, are super ancient interactions with Neanderthals and possibly other early hominids. Perhaps Gigantopithecus migrated outside of Asia at some point, and maybe over thousands of years, they've evolved into the modern-day Bigfoot. Just a theory, but we'll talk more about theories later. Because modern Bigfoot witnesses sometimes claim the face of this creature looked very human. Sometimes they literally use the word Neanderthal. But of course, Neanderthals were much smaller, so who knows? But let's jump on over to Ireland. In a 13th century educational Icelandic text called the King's Shadow, a strange creature resembling a wild man was captured in the woods in Ireland. Apparently, the creature looked like a human but was covered in coarse hair and no one could tell if it understood human speech or not. Leave it to the Vikings to be the ones, the only ones in recorded history to have captured a potential wild man creature, by the way. Or maybe they just found some guy, some hermit, some shaman covered in hairy clothing. Who knows? Moving on into the 14th century, the word woodwos came into use as a way to describe the wild man figure. It roughly might translate to abandoned person of the wood or forlorn or forgotten person of the wood. According to a local German legend, a town by the name of Wildman, which was founded by miners in 1592, is allegedly named after a being that sounds a lot like Bigfoot. The story goes that these miners spotted a huge hairy wild man along the banks of the river Innerst. But this wild man wasn't alone. He was ferociously protecting a female companion of similar appearance, large and hairy. He wielded a giant club for protection, waving it at the miners and howling at them to keep them away. Terrified but fascinated, the miners fled the area but devised a plan to return and attempt to capture the strange human-like animal. Now, these miners claim they were successful, but that the creature died on the way to show the local earl. That sounds a little fishy to me. However, when they brought the earl to the spot they had seen him or captured him, they found a large deposit of ore and the town was founded and named in honor of the mysterious wild man. The town's coat of arms indeed features this wild man, who has also become a symbol for miners. And the wild man on this coat of arms does kind of resemble what we would call a Bigfoot today, or just a large hairy man. 
Okay, so now we're going to jump around the planet and look at all the different, let's just say, species or subspecies of Bigfoot. And we're going to look at some more modern personal accounts. Now, this section may be a little ADHD. Honestly, I wrote and rewrote this episode so many times because I just kept finding so much more information. Eventually, I had to stop. So there will be another Bigfoot episode in the future if you guys want one. But there's no way I can talk about every single Bigfoot story on the planet. So what I'm going to do is hop around as much as I can and tell as many stories as I can. So here goes. One of the first newspaper articles I could find about a Bigfoot type of creature surprisingly comes from Arkansas in 1846. Residents in the Crowley Ridge area in the eastern part of the state claimed to see a large hairy creature who was double the size of an average man and whose footprints were 22 inches, the toes being as long as the average man's fingers. Some people speculated that perhaps he was a human who had survived the New Madrid earthquake of 1811, which registered between 7.2 and 8.2 on the Richter scale. Maybe he had survived, retreated into the woods, and became wild. I honestly never knew that Arkansas had so many Bigfoot sightings and honestly so much Bigfoot lore, but they have their own name for this creature. They call him the Fook Monster, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. They also refer to him as the Boggy Creek Monster or the Swamp Stalker. These terms were coined around the 1970s in the town of Fook when a man by the name of Bobby Ford claimed that he and his family were harassed and assaulted by a large, hairy, human-looking creature. Ford claimed this creature was about seven feet tall, three feet across in chest, moved extremely fast, breathed very heavily, and had red eyes. In his statement, Ford also alleged that this monster wrapped his arms around him and grabbed him. He was able to break free and bolted towards his front door. But really, Bobby, did you really break free from a seven-foot-tall monster who is taller and possibly stronger than a silverback gorilla? Also interesting is the red eyes. There are stories where these Bigfoot-like creatures have human-looking eyes, uh, brown eyes, black eyes, and then there's stories where they have red eyes. Just, a, just an interesting tidbit. At any rate, this man's wife also claimed to see this creature slip its creepy, hairy monster arm in her window. She also said he had red eyes. Now, apparently, Bobby Ford and one of his hunting companions had shot at the creature and injured it, but investigators found no blood. However, officers did note that there were strange tracks and scratches on the porch. The family, having only lived in that house for a week, was so terrified of the creature that they abandoned the property. Honestly, I always thought if Sasquatch existed, he would be nice. But a lot of the stories I read and videos I watched of alleged eyewitness encounters, that certainly was not the gist of most encounters. So I feel a little bit disillusioned and sad about the research I did. So there's a lot about Bigfoot in the 1800s, but I mean, every story is basically the same. And then sometimes the reporter goes way off the rails and claims that the Bigfoot would rip the witnesses from limb to limb and take bites out of their flesh and things that are simply made up. Just know that the more modern stories of Bigfoot as we know him today were born out of this period in the 1800s and early 1900s. But I have a question. Within the United States, which state do you think has the most Bigfoot sightings? 
Hint, it's also the state with the most UFO sightings, if you saw my video. As many of you probably have guessed, the answer is Washington State, where the Bigfoot sightings far outnumber the runner-up of California, whether you factor in population size or not. It's in the Pacific Northwest region where we in the United States find the classic Sasquatch trope. This is perhaps the Bigfoot we're most familiar with. In general, they are said to be over seven feet tall, six feet tall on the shorter side, about 300 to 400 pounds, have reddish-brown hair or brown hair, and are described as ape-like. It's said that they make howling noises at night and make dens or tree nests that some have claimed to come across in the forest. They're also said to knock large branches against tree trunks, and both male and female Bigfoot, or Big Feet, have been seen. Almost always they are described as having a strong, musky, maybe even a foul odor that is overwhelming. And of course, they leave behind footprints that are around two feet long. Of course, nearly every native tribe in the United States and Canada has a Bigfoot character, particularly in the Pacific Northwest. The Salish in Washington state called them, I'm already going to get this wrong, I'm just letting you know, Sesquatch, meaning wild men. Near the Thule River in California, petroglyphs depict large hairy creatures with large hands and feet. And I'm not going to lie, those petroglyphs are pretty convincing, like they straight up look like Sasquatch drawings. To the numerous Native American tribes in the Pacific Northwest, Sasquatch was a real entity. Interestingly, he was not necessarily an animal or an animal like human, he was a spiritual entity. In other stories, the Sasquatch occupied the land before the Native Americans and thus were regarded with great respect, meaning they did not bother the Sasquatch and respected its power and privacy. So I'm going to share with you guys some personal accounts, both past and present, from the Pacific Northwest area. Again, these are just a few out of a mountain of stories. And by the way, there have been 3,500 credible Bigfoot sightings since the 1960s. Just saying. So we know that Humboldt County along the Northern California coast is a huge Bigfoot hotspot, with perhaps the Mount Shasta area coming in as a close second. While there were whispers about a large hairy creature who lived in the remote wilderness throughout the country in the 1800s, it's in the mid-20th century that the modern Sasquatch legend is really born. It began in 1958 with a man by the name of Jerry Crew, a tractor operator who was working in Northern California's Six Rivers Wilderness. While working one day in August, Jerry came across large footprints, about 16 inches in size. The Humboldt Times, in an article titled Giant Footprints Puzzle Residents Along the Trinity River, called the owner of these footprints Bigfoot, and thus the name was born. Jerry Crew asked, is it a hoax, or are these the tracks of some wild man? Is this an unknown creature of legendary size? Well, Jerry, in 2023, we still don't have the answer to that question because before you all say, yes, we do, those Bigfoot casts are all hoax hoaxes and yada, yada, yada. There are respected anthropologists who have hundreds of these casts, one of them being Jeff Meldrum, a professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State University. He and others throw out the ones that they can tell are hoaxes and keep the ones that seem genuine. They do this by looking at the natural movement of how a hominid species moves its foot from heel to midfoot to ball to toes. Because they are experienced anthropologists, 
They can make well-educated guesses about the creature's musculature and movement just by their footprints. Now, a few years later, we have the infamous Patterson-Gimlin film that allegedly shows a very clear picture of a large ape-like mammal walking casually through the forest in the Humboldt area, or near the hum Humboldt area, I think. But it's the famous one. It's like a minute long, and the squatch is just walking along, takes a look in the direction of the camera, and keeps walking along. Now, I grew up thinking this was a hoax, and I still personally believe it is a hoax, but the owners of the film, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin, have always stood by the fact that it is not a hoax. People that knew the two, and this is kind of mean, but this is what has been said, people claim that the two men simply weren't clever enough to plan something like that and follow through with it and have it be so successful. But to that, I will say, never underestimate crazy ideas that come out over a few brewskis. That's how this whole podcast started after all, but that's a story for another time. But I mean, I think the vast majority of people believe the video to be a hoax. In the earlier 2000s, a man by the name of Robert Collier, who was at the time actively searching for Bigfoot with a friend and fellow researcher, claimed he and his friend both saw the creature. Collier said its head was conical in shape, and this is where things get weird. They both claimed that they saw a blinding light illuminate the forest for three to five seconds, and then the creature was gone and it was dark and silent again. This is reported a lot along Bigfoot sightings, further adding to the allure and mystery of this creature. People say they will see unexplained lights or orbs flickering in the trees, even if they are in a very remote part of the wilderness. Or they will see a flash of light and the Bigfoot is gone. Even weirder is people who claim to see Bigfoot get dropped off in a spaceship. Some people even say Bigfoot is an alien himself. I don't know about all that, but I do remember my dad telling me a story or two about how he and his brothers would be way out in the California wilderness hunting, and they'd be having a few beers and messing around, and he said they'd see these lights when there should be no one around. And although he never saw Bigfoot, he said that they would hear something howling and making whooping noises at night. Now, if you've never heard a bobcat or even some owls and other birds they can sound super freaky. That being said, my dad and uncles have been avid hunters since they were kids, and they thought it was unique, so who knows? But I can't talk about Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest without mentioning the Ape Canyon incident that occurred in 1924. According to several miners who were near Mount St. Helens in Washington State, a group of humongous hairy ape men attacked their cabin. Earlier in the day, a couple of miners had seen one of these creatures peek its head out over the brush. One of the men claims he shot the creature. He's sure he shot the creature, but the bullet didn't seem to face him and it simply ran into the forest. Later that night, when the miners were sleeping, they were awoken by a large commotion, growls and stomping and thrashing about. Looking out their window, they saw a group of seven to eight foot tall, hairy, ape-like men with red eyes. They were on the roof, on the porch, trying to get into the cabin through the windows and the doors. Allegedly, one of these monsters got his arm through a window or door and tried to grab an axe. While no one was harmed, the assault continued until the early hours of the morning when the sun had come up. What's interesting is these miners claimed these beings seemed to be supernatural, not exactly flesh and blood. There was something about them that was otherworldly, it's also interesting that they claim there was essentially a band of them, a band of squatches. 
Someone should make up a term. What is the official term to refer to a group of Sasquatches? But almost always Sasquatch is depicted as a solitary creature. Okay, I'm going to read some accounts from the Pacific Northwest area that were posted on BRFO, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. The first one I'll share occurred in Tuolumne County in northeastern California on Christmas Eve in the year of 2003. Christmas Eve 2003, my wife and I spent Christmas in Twain Heart, California with friends. This area is deep in the Sierra Mountains and has plenty of snow during the winter months. We stayed at our friend's cabin, which sleeps 12 people with no problem. The cabin is about 6 to 8 feet off the ground and the only way in is by using wooden stairs to climb into it. There was plenty of snow and we were warned about walking on the porch. To get to the porch, we had to go through the house. The cabin was warm with a great wooden heater even though the windows had no coverings. Christmas Eve was upon us and the traditional events came and went. After midnight, everyone eventually went to bed and retired for the night. I was sleeping in a room by the porch and the windows, like I said before, had no curtains or shades. I could see very little from all the windows except for one, which was near the outside porch light. I could see a small portion of the porch from that window. I went to sleep as did everyone else, but was awakened several hours later. There was a slight movement all around the cabin like a small earthquake. I turned over thinking just that. Moments later, I felt movement again, but this time it felt like someone was walking on the porch. I sat up to look around and did not see anything or anyone. I decided to use the restroom since I was awake and eventually found my way back to bed. It was then that I noticed something moving by the porch light. At first, I thought it was a man with long brown hair, but then noticed that it had hair on its arms and back. After a better look, it had hair all over its body, but it seemed more of an orange-brown color. Frightened as can be, I just kept looking at this thing. It had its back towards me for several minutes and then slowly turned to look in my direction. I was about 20 feet from the window, so I am certain that it did not see me. It leaned over to see through my window. I would estimate it had to have been about 6 foot 6 inches tall. Its weight was about 300 pounds and well proportioned. I compared the beast to a friend who is 6 foot 2 inches tall and weighs about 300 pounds. It looked fairly young, like a teenage boy. There was no odor as this thing walked around. The face was more like a caveman, but very sad looking. I could barely see its eyes in the dark, but I noticed them when it looked left and right. They seemed to be dark brown. The beast was frightening when it turned and looked in towards the window. Its chest was like that of a male, and I am assuming that it was not quite grown up yet. It was searching for something, but I don't know what. I also noticed that our friend's dogs were nowhere to be heard or found in the cabin. After a quick scan of the room, it turned and headed towards the porch rail. Eventually, it jumped from the porch, which was a six to eight foot drop. In the morning, I did not mention this event to anyone, nor did I go looking for evidence. I believe there are different species scattered around the world. I always believed they existed, but my thoughts were reinforced with this sighting. This is also the first time anyone has heard or read this story from me. So, of course, with anything you find online, you gotta take it with a grain of salt. But this is an interesting story as she says he looked like a caveman and looked kind of sad, or like he was searching for something. It's a very interesting encounter. This next one occurred in Tehachapi, California, which is in Central California, so not exactly Pacific Northwest. But I know right now a lot of my followers and listeners are from this area of California, so I thought I'd share. This woman says, I was about 14 years old riding a horse on a ranch that my family owned. 
The ranch is located in Tachapi, California. I was on a trail going towards the edge of the forest, still on our property. When I reached the edge of the forest, there was a dead cow. It had been dead for some time now because it was mostly just bones. When I looked around, still on my horse, that's when I saw Bigfoot. He was really tall, black, and so human-like. He looked at me but was not scared. I said to myself, that's Bigfoot. Bigfoot had one hand and one arm leaning against a giant tree, and he looked to be both man and ape. Bigfoot looked right at me, and we both just looked at each other. I was so scared, I turned around and went back to the ranch. I've blocked this out of my mind for many years, I believe from being scared to death. I spoke to my dad about the ranch, and do we still own 10,000 acres and the ranch? He said no, and is now 90 years old. I asked him, did anybody ever say they saw Bigfoot? He said yes. I could take you to the spot where I saw him, and I'm sure someone who lives in that area would say they have seen him also. Why? Because he is there. He is out there living. This happened 28 years ago, but I remember it very clear now for some reason, and how he looked at me. This next one occurred in Humboldt County in 1965. Me and four other boys had found an old logging cabin about three miles up in the woods from Myers Flats and used this old shelter for several summers. One night, the last one, we were all camping for the weekend in this old place that we had fixed up. After cooking the evening meal, we had all eaten and went to bed. Sometime during the night, I was awakened by a huffing sound. I woke one of the other boys up and we listened to something slowly working its way all around the outside of the cabin. We woke up the three others and all listened. Whatever it was outside was poking at the old rotted boards around the bottom of the shack. We could hear as it shuffled around and pried at some of the boards. Finally, it moved around to the front door, which was only about five feet high. And Butch got my old 22 rifle and said, open the door. I did not want to open the door, but did anyway. Whatever it was, was standing right in front of the opening, but because it was dark, all we could see were hairy legs. Butch fired the 22, and this thing screamed and spun around and took off. Needless to say, we were scared to death. We heard two or three heavy thuds, and then everything was quiet. We tried to sleep, but ended up huddled up together in the middle of the floor the rest of the night. The next morning, we went out as a group and searched the ground. There was a tore-up place where this thing spun around and about three or four indentations in the ground where it took off. There was no blood on the ground anywhere, and we packed up and never went back. Honestly, there's a lot of close encounters in California, including one we'll hear about in the Mount Shasta episode in a week or so, where a woman claims she saw a female Bigfoot giving birth. I'm going to read one more, and it's going to be from Washington State, but I'm going to do a whole episode one day just on Sasquatch sightings in Washington because it's just too much to include in one episode. This one occurred in Skamania County. I was going for a late night drive. I drove up past Cougar on 503. When I hit snow on a couple of corners, I started to get a little nervous about driving up any farther, but still I chose to keep going. I had seen many animals all night, so I was really keeping my eyes open. When I slowed down to turn around, my car died. While trying to start it, I was looking forward and noticed a large object standing on the side of the road, which looked like a large man, but I couldn't tell because it was out of reach of my headlights. When my car started up, the object quickly turned and strided off into the timber. That's when I knew it wasn't just a tree or anything like that. I have been up in those parts of the woods a lot and never seen anything like that. When I saw it turn away from me, I couldn't calm down. 
I was terrified. The hair on my neck was standing up. It was just not a normal feeling. I believe I saw Bigfoot standing in front of my car along the edge of the road. Again, I apologize because I know there's so many more Pacific Northwest stories, but this is just Bigfoot 101 after all. There will be more Bigfoot episodes in the future, I promise, as long as you guys are interested in it anyway. And if you have a Bigfoot story to share, please reach out and send me an email or a DM. But let's switch gears and head south. In the southeastern U.S., particularly in Florida, we have the skunk ape, who was actually first recorded in the town of Apalachicola, Florida. They may be between five to seven feet tall, have reddish-brown hair, and again carry that musky odor, and reportedly have been seen as far as the Florida Keys. The Seminole and Mikosuke tribes have tales of a secret, secretive, smelly, physically powerful creature known as the furry tall man or hairy giant. Self-proclaimed state and county expert on the Florida skunk ape, Dave Shealy, claims he saw the legendary skunk ape for the first time when he was 10 years old. The year was 1974, and he was going hunting with his brother in what is now the Big Cypress National Preserve. Too small to see in the tall grass, Dave's brother picked him up and what he saw changed his life forever. He said it was about 100 yards away and looked like a large man covered in hair. Since then, Sheely has been on a mission to prove the skunk ape exists and even opened up the, the skunk ape research headquarters on his very own property. Mr. Sheely has claimed to see the creature twice since 1974. However, he certainly isn't the only one who claims to have had an encounter. Fire Chief Jan Brock of Ochopi Fire Control saw it once, saying, quote, The thing just ran in front of my car. It was shaggy and very tall, maybe six and a half or seven feet tall. In 1997, a tour bus full of 30 to 40 people claimed to have seen a seven-foot-tall red-haired ape. So, some people say, well, there's so many research cameras in the Everglades at this point, and yet nothing has been caught on their high-resolution, high-tech cameras and they kind of have a point. But keep in mind, the Everglades alone is huge. Even with our fancy technology, it's possible that some unknown animal whose population may be very few may be able to stay under the radar. Just a couple of states over in Louisiana, we have the Honey Island Swamp Monster, just about a 30 minute drive from New Orleans. And if you're ever in New Orleans, I highly recommend the Honey Island Swamp Tour as opposed to the airboat tours. Everyone wants to go fast on an airport tour, but I'm telling you, it's not a very pretty tour, and the Honey Island Swamp Tour is absolutely gorgeous. And you will see tons of cute raccoons and get up close with some gators, and you may see the Honey Island Swamp Monster. And that concludes the unpaid plug for the Honey Island Swamp Tours in Slidell, Louisiana. I think the, tech, the actual business name is Cajun Encounters. I highly recommend, but okay, let's move on. So also known as La Bette Noire or the Cajun Sasquatch, this guy is described as about seven feet tall and covered in grayish hair, perhaps to blend in with the pale green Spanish moss that hangs from the tall cypress trees. This swamp monster apparently only has four toes, has yellow or red eyes, and like the rest of its brethren, it, it stinks. And by the way, let's not be so harsh about the Bigfoot stench. Have you ever thought it could be a defense mechanism to keep us annoying humans away? One of the first sightings was recorded by a wildlife photographer named Harlan Ford, but before that, there had been rumors of wild ape-like creatures seen in the area of St. Tammany Parish. 
Remember our friends Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson from Pascagoula? The ones who got picked up by those weird robot aliens in 1973? Well, Pascagoula and St. Tammany Parish are barely over an hour away from each other and connected by the West Pearl River and East Pearl River, but I digress. In 1981, while a man by the name of Hubert was perched up high in an oak tree deer hunting, he watched in amazement as he saw a large, hairy creature pass right below him. He claimed the hair on the back of his neck stood up. He clenched his teeth and he began breathing rapidly, but the creatures simply walked underneath him and off into the woods. These swamps are also home to the Rougarou, a werewolf-like creature of Cajun and Creole folklore, as well as the Fufule, also called the Will-o'-the-Wisp, phantom lights that appear in the swamps. Again, we have weird lights accompanied by an unknown ape-like creature. But more than anything in the swamps, I think you need to be afraid of alligators, mischievous bands of raccoons, and wild Cajuns. I have two more significant Squatch stories that occurred in the U.S., and then we're going to go overseas for the remainder of the episode, I think. In 1893, our very own Theodore Roosevelt relayed a Bigfoot sighting as told by a close friend of his along the Idaho-Montana border along the Salmon River. So, just to clarify, Teddy didn't see this, his friend Bowman did. Bowman, along with a hunting buddy, were hunting and trapping beaver when they suspected they were being stalked by a large bear. When they returned to their camp, they found it completely ransacked. The next day, something even more insidious happened, according to Bowman. Bowman found his hunting buddy dead, as if his neck had been snapped against a tree stump. Bowman claimed the creature was a half-human, half-devil creature, and he immediately abandoned the camp and everything in it save for his rifle. But... We don't know this Bowman character. Maybe, maybe he had a reason to kill his friend or something. Who knows? But these violent stories of Bigfoot-like beings seem to have been much more common in the past. Maybe Sasquatch has become more accustomed to us. I don't know. Or maybe we simply aren't afraid of him anymore and indeed have made him something of a mascot. But this is just a PSA. Should violent Bigfoots or Big Feet exist or not, never go into the wilderness alone without a firearm. Or if you're anti-firearm, don't go without some means of protection. We've all seen those videos of people being stalked by mama bears and cougars, so make sure to protect yourself. Now, we all know that Appalachian Mountains are creepy AF. You have stories of the Wendigo and feral humans and all sorts of other things, and one man claims to have encountered a rather impressive Bigfoot type of character there. A man by the name of Joe Fex went to visit a woman by the name of Janice who had a cabin in the Appalachian Mountains, and according to her, She saw Bigfoot all the time. So Joe Fex goes up there to meet with her and they're sitting around the campfire just talking when Joe notices what he thought were lightning bugs, green lights just beyond the nearby trees. He thought to himself, there must be a lot of lightning bugs out here. But then he realized there were just two glowing eyes. He looks over to Janice and she tells him with a sly smile on her face, quote, he wants to know if you're going to go back home and tell everyone you just saw a bunch of lightning bugs, end quote. But Joe had never said that to Janice. Dumbfounded and kind of frozen, he looks closer at those eyes and can make out the outline of a large, dark figure as it moves behind Janice's cabin. Janice then says, He wants you to see him. He wants you to go behind the shed, and he wants to see you. Now, Joe is clearly a crazy person because as much as I love Bigfoot, you know, I'm good never having a close encounter with him at a weird cabin in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains with a woman who claims to read Sasquatch Minds. But Crazy Joe goes behind the shed and, like, 
Nothing really normal happens behind a shed at night in Appalachia, I feel like. Well, his crazy ass goes behind the shed and sees this huge Bigfoot there. He describes him as eight to nine feet tall, but that's about all he remembers. Joe says the next thing he remembers is being back at the campfire, talking to Janice, looking up at the stars. Now, okay, he he could have dozed off and had a Bigfoot dream, not gonna lie, but it's still a creepy story nonetheless. And I don't want to make assumptions, but him and Janice could have been, you know, partaking in some recreational things that might have induced an experience like this. But let's head down under and check out a Bigfoot-like creature known as the Yowie. The Yowie, Yowie is said to be anywhere from 6 to 12 feet tall and can be timid and shy, or they can be violent and aggressive. The Aborigines claimed that they were the original inhabitants of the land and that they would fight with each other as well as with us humans. Now, if you've been paying attention, we now have three different cultures on three different continents who claim these are the original hab- inhabitants of the land. You have the Basahon in Basque Country, the Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest, and now the Yowie in Australia. A researcher in 1842 wrote of this creature describing it as ape-like with extraordinarily long extremities. Like the Bigfoot of the Pacific Northwest and other parts of North America, the Yowie is frequently associated with bright orbs or strange lights. Witnesses also claim encounters with Yowies have a strange effect on their electronics. They'll simply stop working. Witnesses also claim they feel sick, which could be because of their terrible stench, which is described as something like sulfur, wet dog, and dead animal. Like other Sasquatch species or subspecies or whatever they may be, People believe they have come across their sophisticated shelters, large dens and tree nests. They also claim they will hear loud wailing in the night as well as chimp-like chatter that they say sometimes sounds eerily human-like. They are also said to be primarily nocturnal creatures. I'll give you one recent personal Yowie encounter story that occurred in 2021 within Banya National Park in Queensland, Australia. And I'm sorry, I know I'm pronouncing probably so many of these words wrong. But anyway, this man's story is as follows. I began to move through the trees down the hill a little further when it became clear to me that something was not right. And what I was looking at was not a person at all. It was on two feet, but as I watched, I could see the figure was very huge and covered in very dark brown or black hair, except for its face, which was a dark tan color. At this point, I froze behind a tree, completely stunned, as I realized the enormous size of the creature, both in height and mass. This thing would have had had to have been nine feet tall, massively thick and wide, and I now contemplated what would happen if it became aware that I was watching it. My mind was racing between thoughts at this point. How do I get back over the ridge without making a noise? What is this creature? I hope my dog doesn't decide to investigate or bark. I feel like I'm in danger. Where do I run if it sees me? I wish I had my rifle. All these thoughts and more kept popping into my head. I quickly looked back to see where my dog was and he had not moved an inch from when I walked past him and down the hill and he stood at attention and strangely silent, peering down the hill towards the figure moving in the bushes. I continued to watch this creature do the strangest thing. It was walking back and forth between several burnt out trees and hugging each tree, pushing the side of its head against the tree. What the hell is it doing, I asked myself as I watched in disbelief as the creature walked to the next tree and wrapped its huge hairy arms totally around the tree stump. At one point, it stopped this behavior and stood totally motionless as if it was sniffing the air or listening for something. 
I became even more anxious when this happened as I thought it may have smelled me or my dog even though it wasn't facing my direction. As it stood amongst the trees, I got a good look at its entire body from the ground up and can see it was covered head to toe with dark hair except for its face and hands. I could see its body was muscular and so thick. Its muscular arms were very, very long, too long for its body, I thought to myself, and its hands looked so large that I'm sure it would have been able to squeeze a basketball flat with one hand. It suddenly went back to its tree-hugging behavior, and in an instant, as it hugged the tree, it partially squatted and heaved the dead trunk clean from the ground, pulling out a huge root ball. It smashed the trunk to the ground, making an incredible thud. This incredible feat scared me so much, I turned and ran for my life back up and over the ridge from where I came. My dog, seeing my distress, ran with me back down the hill to my motorbike, where I made an incredibly fast exit out of the area and back to the farm. I went back to the area with some friends a few days later. We found the remains of the burnout tree that the creature had smashed on the ground and can see it had been torn apart from one end to the other. After finding this, I concluded that what I had watched was the creature looking for animals or birds inside the tree stumps and the strange behavior of it hugging the tree was it listening for any signs of movement or sounds. There have been no signs of the creature in the ensuing months, but I don't go around the property unarmed anymore. But let's switch climates for a second. In Nepal, Russia, Tibet, Bhutan, and surrounding areas, we have the abominable snowman. In 1939, a man by the name of Yukon Cornelius, along with his two friends Hermie and Rudolph, encountered one of these beasts near the North Pole. And if that sounds familiar to you, that's because that did not happen and is from the Christmas classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But in all seriousness, the story of the Yeti, also known as the Abominable Snowman, has been around for ages. In the 4th century BCE, Alexander the Great demanded to see the Yeti when near the Himalayas, but was told by locals that the Yeti could not survive at their lower elevation and that it was dangerous to travel to such elevations or anger the Yeti. There's also legends that say the Yeti is the guardian of another world hidden within the Himalayas and other mountain ranges, cave systems that lead to beautiful worlds where enlightened beings dwell. The Yeti is said to be all white, of course, to blend in with the snow, and when Westerners began to climb Mount Everest in the 20th century, they would come back with stories of a strange beast or of gigantic human-like footprints they found in the snow. In 1951, an expedition crew led by Eric Shipton and Michael Ward captured the first photographs of these footprints at around 15 to 16,000 feet in the snow of the Menlung Basin. The footprint is twice the size of an average male's print, and the big toe is noticeably wider than the other toes. But how could bare human feet traverse such icy, snowy temperatures? Now, Ward and Shipton were not Bigfoot freaks, not by any means. Shipton was more along the lines of, this is a yet unknown animal. However, Ward argued that it could be the footprints of a Nepalese and Tibetan Highlander. Their feet often became deformed due to the cold conditions and walking for long periods of time. Notably, their big toes were much wider than the average and turned outwards, much like the print. But what about the size? The size was still eerie to them. As you can imagine though, sightings of the Yeti or abominable snowman are very few and far between because not a lot of people go up there. In nearby China, the Yaren is said to lurk through the forest within the Ube province, particularly in the aptly named Yaren Valley. It is described as having reddish brown hair with elder Yarens possessing white or gray hair and being roughly six to eight feet tall. And this just may be one of the most ancient Bigfoot creatures that we know of. 
Its history goes all the way back to the Zhao Dynasty between 1046 to 256 BCE. Fast forward to the 17th century, a journal entry from a man living in Fang County in Ubei tells us that nine-foot-tall wild men would come down from the mountains to hunt for dogs and chickens. Since the 1920s, modern eyewitness accounts number in the 400s and are growing. Perhaps the most incredible Bigfoot story yet, a group of hunters led by Fang County's magistrate in the 1940s claimed to have shot and successfully killed one of these creatures, but that they couldn't eat it as the taste was foul. Okay, don't go eating Sasquatch, please. Don't shoot them, but I mean, come on. Say no to Sasquatch slash Yaren meat, especially if these guys are our long-lost relatives. Between 1976 and 1977, there was a large rash of Yaren sightings, and many of these stories are coming from credible witnesses in the government, strangely enough. They would bring tranquilizer guns, video cameras, tape recorders, and so on, but they could never seem to catch it on camera or shoot it down. One expedition in the early 2000s recorded a number of Yaren footprints. Many of them turned out to be bear tracks, but a few of them were determined to be primate in nature by local anthropologists. The casts look pretty much like the Pacific Northwest Bigfoot prints. On that expedition, they also uncovered the typical Bigfoot-like shelters, large dens made of branches, moss, and other forest debris. Okay, we're gonna have to have Bigfoot 101 part two, or would that be Bigfoot 102 or 202? Anyway, I have a whole episode's worth of other Bigfoot info where we can get into the Orang Pendek and other North American encounters. I even have a whole bunch of Scandinavian and Ireland encounters I was excited to share, but time has run out and I still want to talk about a few theories. I promise you we will revisit Bigfoot soon enough though. So what do we think they are? Are they real or not? Why are we so obsessed with them? I mean, normal people aren't obsessed with them, but why are people like you and me obsessed with them? Do we just want to believe in something mythical that lives deep within our forest, or are these people really seeing something? So here are the main theories. Number one, Gigantopithecus. This is perhaps the most scientifically sound hypothesis. Is it possible that this ancient hominid traveled across the Bering Strait into North America? Did it expand far and wide, surviving now for over 300,000 years? Could it have evolved across continents and that's why it may look or act slightly different from place to place? What about those encounters where the witness said their face was human-like, that it was without hair? The one person in Tuolumne who said it straight up looked like a Neanderthal. What about the Basques, the Pacific Northwest tribes, and the Aborigines who say, according to tradition, that these beings are our ancestors, that they were here on the land first before us? I mean, the most logical part of my mind definitely thinks this is most likely if Bigfoot-like creatures exist, and potentially insanely cool to think about, that one of our distant hominid ancestors is out there, still wild, essentially living in our backyards. Others look at Bigfoot, Sasquatch, and the Yowie, etc. from a strictly cryptozoological viewpoint. They wholeheartedly believe that this creature is a totally unknown, flesh-and-blood animal. When you watch a lot of those Bigfoot hunter shows, that's what it seems like most of these guys are thinking. However, they've tested so much hair analysis and it always comes back as bear, deer, or unknown. And just because it's unknown doesn't mean it's Bigfoot hair. And then of course, there's the funnest theory, although the most craziest, and that is aliens. That these big feet are either aliens dropped off here by aliens or just interdimensional beings. That would explain why they are often seen alongside strange lights or UFO sightings, but I mean, it is the most out there theory, right? It is by far the craziest. 
If they are being dropped off here by aliens, then why? Are they, like, being exiled from their home planet? Did they do something bad so their Bigfoot alien government was like, okay, you are being sent to the ghettoest planet in the galaxy? Like, if they are aliens or sent by aliens, then why? What would be the point? I'm more likely to believe they are interdimensional than from another planet, but that's crazy too, right? Again, why would they be here? What's the purpose of sometimes seeing them? I don't know, and honestly, I don't think we'll ever know. But people have claimed to see them appear and disappear, sometimes in a flash of light. I mentioned on Instagram and TikTok how my roommate had this theory that perhaps they are interdimensional or capable of interdimensional travel. So maybe that, you know, the Bigfoot and other cryptids such as race and Wendigos and maybe even aliens have inhabited this planet far longer than us, Um, maybe even hundreds of thousands of years longer than us. And they've evolved differently and they know how to manipulate space and time and they can use portals or they know how to travel travel interdimensionally. And so maybe like to them, we are the savages. We are the lower, the lower of the species. I don't know. It's it's also crazy to think about it. And honestly, I don't I don't know if we'll ever know. Not not in our lifetime, I don't think. But anyway, Bigfoot, if you're out there. I don't care what some of these people have said. I bet you're a cool guy or gal, even if you a little stinky. And I think you deserve your peace and solitude. That being said, it would be really cool to see Sasquatch from like a safe distance, but also, I don't know, sounds kind of scary. Personally, I can't live in a world that isn't at least a little bit magical and whimsical. So I like to keep an open mind about Bigfoot. And with that, I'll end this episode here. Tuesday, I'll be covering time slips and other dimensions. So until then, take care, everyone.